I just have to ask, what does being a driven woman and a driven woman business owner have to do with a Nicktoon from the 90s about a cartoon cat and dog that I'm pretty sure are both men? I think they are gender nonspecific. Uh, okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I think they may have even been a queer couple, which would have meant the show was well ahead of its time. But are we speaking of Ren and Stimpy? Oh, you know it. Too legitimate to quit. Instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the magnificent Diane Wingert. Diane Wingert is a mindset and productivity coach for female entrepreneurs who are falling short of their dreams and goals. During her 20-year career as a licensed psychotherapist, she saw many brilliant and ambitious women struggle with procrastination, perfectionism, people-pleasing, and doubt, which prevented them from reaching their full potential. After realizing that psychotherapy was not the answer, Diane trained and certified as a coach in order to shift the conversation from problems to possibilities. Her superpower is helping driven but distracted women eliminate everything that holds her back from achieving her goals and enjoying success without guilt or fear. Without further ado, let's do it. Diane, I just told them all about you. And all of the magnificent things that you do. And although this podcast is goofy, I try to keep it from being fluffy. So let's just jump right on into it. This is a podcast for small businesses around the globe. What do you think that they most need to know today? The most important things for small business owners to know. Well, let's just get down to basics. The brain. I hate to break it to you folks, but... The brain, your brain, is not your friend. As a matter of fact, your brain is thoroughly delighted with itself if it has achieved its prime directive, which is basically to keep your ass alive. If you are alive, your brain thinks it's getting an A++. Doesn't care if you're happy, doesn't care if you're satisfied, seriously doesn't care if you're successful, being your best version of yourself or any of that other self-help stuff. So because our brains have such terribly low standards, and we, on the other hand, have audacious goals, impossible dreams, and more creativity than you could possibly contain in a single human lifetime, we have to take that sucker on. Now, I used to be a shrink, as in psychotherapist, for over two decades, until I finally realized that far too many therapy clients become far too attached to their problems. And when I started pushing them towards solutions and moving on, many of them weren't willing to go there. So I reluctantly released myself from that role, embraced coaching. And what I do now is help entrepreneurs, females, and those who identify as female, 
whether they consider themselves entrepreneurs, freelancers, independent professionals, creatives, geniuses, whatever their title is, I help them go from driven but distracted to focused, fired up, and flame retardant. And the reason why this is necessary is because I have seen far too many bold, brilliant, and frankly, badass women sitting by while lesser humans pass them by and achieve the goals that they so rightly deserve. Why does this happen? Well, there's a couple of reasons. They listen to their brain and all the nonsense it spews, whispering sweet and not so sweet nothings into their ears like, you're not enough, you're not ready, the market is saturated and all of that. Or you're charging too much. Or you're charging it all. Right? Oh, like, oh, it's my gift. I couldn't possibly get money for it. You better get money for it. So that's what I really enjoy doing. And I just think there's a whole lot more women out there that should be in the winner's circle, but they need a little help to get there. And I'm the girl for the job. So I love that. One of the things that first really drew me to your brand, we fell in love on Instagram. It's true. As many small business owners do. Uh, But I really was drawn to your use of the term flame retardant. So Isn't what that good? It's so good. It's so good. It's so clear. But what to you does it mean for a small business owner to become or to uh, focus on becoming flame retardant? What does that mean? Okay. Um, well, first of all, I like alliteration, obviously. Oh, yes. You know, driven but distracted, focused, uh, fired up and flame retardant. I mean, people pay good money for that shit. Actually, yeah, they do. But, but um, it's memorable for one thing. But I have ADHD. I didn't even know it for sure until just a few years ago. But what I have learned in the meantime is that a very, very significant percentage of self-employed folks either have ADHD, whether they know or not, or ADHD-like traits. And one of the ones they have in spades is more ideas than you can shake a stick at, (laughs) but difficulty following through. Great at starting, shitty at finishing. Oh, hi, that's me. Hello, Hello, listeners. That's me, your host. (laughs) And your your formerly guilty of such things guest. But (laughs) I, I eventually got really honestly sick to shit of seeing other people doing the things that I thought of, but didn't follow through. So it was a matter of being a lot of ambition, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. I have a very strong work ethic, but I didn't stick with things. And what would end up happening is I'd get halfway there and then I'd move on to something else and not finish it. And that started to break me down, started to make me doubt myself, started to really slow my role. And what I learned that I needed most of all was to develop the skills and the habits of resiliency so that if you fall down, you don't stay down. And what I now like to say, because, you know, I like my alliterations, the three biggest problems I see for female small business owners, one, procrastination, two, perfectionism, three, people-pleasing. I call them the unholy trinity. And they're all just basically 
mind games, thought errors, shit your brain feeds you and you open up and swallow, but it will totally hold you back. And you will not be flame retardant as long as you are failing to put your best work out in the world because it's not quite right or you're not quite ready or you ha- haven't tweaked it quite enough. Chances are somebody half as worthy is going to steal your prize. So get the hell out of your way and move on. That's being flame retardant. There are skills and they can be learned. I don't think you're born resilient. You can learn to be. The other thing is that, and I know this from my therapy background, a lot of people who become entrepreneurs have trauma histories. Oh, oh, I've written enough stories and about pages like I could catalog people by trauma and I have my own and I know you do too. Of course, like, absolutely. Oh my goodness. It's almost like the bat signal for small businesses <laughs> is like put the word trauma in the sky and watch 19 coaches show up. I love us coaches. I'm not mad about it, but completely. And you know what I think is so freaking interesting about what we're talking about today is that when we talk about these successes, when we talk about these wants and this drive and you have ADD and I have OCD and they're cousins that don't get along very well, but really understand each other. But, you know, it's that idea of we want the flame and we think that we're doing everything to welcome the flame. But when we start to feel the heat from the flame, that's when we get really freaked out and go into, I have to say it again, I love it so much, the unholy trinity of procrastination, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. Does anyone out there listening feel attacked by that? But, in a the thing way? Is, yeah, but, but the thing is, is that there there is no blame or shame in this game. I am That's guilty cool. of every single thing I now help people overcome because I have had to go through it myself and continue to struggle with a lot of it every single day. I just don't let it hold me back anymore. And also it took me, I don't know how many years, maybe decades, if I'm being excruciatingly honest, (laughs) please do. I, I don't think I realized that in many cases, the procrastination, the perfectionism and the people pleasing wasn't because I had such high standards and I wanted whatever I put out in the world to be just so extra special. They were very elaborate mind games I played with myself that were ultimately a form of hiding. I was afraid of being seen. I was afraid of being heard. I was afraid of being known and of course, judged. So as long as you keep tweaking, 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 and researching, 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 and planning, 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 and taking courses, and listening to podcasts, and reading blogs, and learning from the masters, as long as you're doing all that and telling yourself that you are getting ready, none of it counts until you actually do the thing you're afraid to do. That's so meta. I love that you just basically told people not to procrastinate by listening to podcasts on a podcast. Hang hang up right now and go get to work. (laughs) On a podcast where we are also promoting your podcast. So basically, we are the exceptions to the rule, listeners, too legitimate to quit, and the Driven Woman podcast are exempt. But, But, you know, but, 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 but on that, I want to say that it's the reason why my solo episodes are 15 minutes because I do not want you to use the driven woman 
to procrastinate. I don't want you to use it to buffer. I don't want you to use it to hide. I get in there, deliver the goods and get the hell out of your ear holes so you can get back to work. And that doesn't take more than 15 minutes. So I have to ask you, I just have to ask, what does being a driven woman and a driven woman business owner have to do with a Nicktoon from the 90s about a cartoon cat and dog that I'm pretty sure are both men. I think they are gender nonspecific. Uh, okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I think they may have even been a queer couple, which would have meant the show was well ahead of its time. But <gasps> well, are we, are we speaking? Ways? Are we speaking of Ren and Stimpy? Oh, you know it. We are speaking of oh, Ren and Stimpy. Oh, they are my two favorites. You know, for so many years, I. I was really hiding my Ren and Stimpy habit. As a, matter, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it may shock some people who know me well now, but I actually was a card-carrying member of an evangelical Christian church for a number of years, including the years, I know you can't see any right now, but she's shaking her head. Looking. From evangelical churches to bumping butts, everyone, the Diane Wingert story. Okay. So, but- there it actually was not all bad um i think uh, having been raised in an abusive extremely dysfunctional uh, family growing up i was drawn towards uh, the church when i was raising my own kids because i thought i could learn some normal people habits and it was it, it was good for that but we would go to church on sunday morning and then we'd come home i would always forego the it's not happy hour, whatever they call it afterwards when everybody drinks coffee and eats donuts. Fellowship oh, hour. Oh, yeah, that. That that thing. So I would and always, like every you know. weeks there's a fish fry. Yeah, that. Okay. So I would always like uh, come up with some excuse for why we couldn't stay for that when the truth was we just needed to get our asses home for the next episode of Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> I don't honestly know how we found the show. I'm not even sure if I found it or if one of my kids found it. But I think we are still, my kids are in their 30s now. We are all still totally faithful. It's a little dog, dogish kind of being, kind of a chihuahua. Um, and then a fat cat who I'm absolutely certain is gay. And uh, the banter between these two, it, what it, it was almost like I was living a double life, Annie. It was like <laughs> I was going to church. And as far as anybody knew, I was an upstanding member of the community. And, you know, you didn't have to lock up your silverware or your children when I was around. But then I'd run home and literally be laughing my ass off to Ren and Stimpy. And later on, I thought, I wonder if I'm going to hell for this. <laughs> and I, but I thought, well, it's a chance I'm going to have to take. I was totally addicted. You know, it's so funny that you say that because uh, my mother put Ren and Stimpy on the list of shows that I was not allowed to watch. Uh, <laughs> and so and and we were raised like lukewarm Catholic. So the fact that mm. you've been living this double life where my mother was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that was what we watched at slumber parties. That was why I like illegally watched after my parents went to bed because I I would have it. adopted you, Annie. We just Thank you. didn't meet soon enough. Look, Ma, I'm now making a podcast episode about Ren and Stimpy. But so, you know, for people that don't really understand the, the allure 
of of this show. How would you describe the humor and the storytelling of Ren and Snippy? What makes it so magical? I think what it revealed to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer the question a little bit differently. What it revealed to me over time, Annie, was that I was trying to conform to the norm. I was a neurodiverse person who was passing for normal. I have a specific learning disability. I have ADHD. I'm also gifted. I have a very different kind of brain than the, you know, the average person. And I was doing everything humanly possible to try to look like everyone else. Um, that included going to church on Sundays and taking my kids to play soccer and be in the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and all that. And I had also finished grad school at UCLA and become a licensed therapist and was working in very reputable agencies and so forth. And so I was really putting a lot of energy into being a respectful, professional, um, civilized normal human being, you know, wife, mother, all that. Psychiatrist. Right. So over years, I gradually started to realize that I had put myself in a box that I didn't really belong in. I mean, most of me would fit in, but there would always be like an arm or a leg or an ear or something poking out or oozing out. And Ren and Stimpy, I think, was for me the beginning of a rebellion. I'll go to church and I'll play the part and I'll wear my skirt below my knees and my, you know, my pumps and my little purse and all that. But <laughs> then I'm going to go home and wash my face and and the humor of Ren and Stimpy. I let me just tell you the names of some of the characters and see if if I can bring this to light. Muddy Mudskipper is a talking <laughs> fish. The rubber nipple salesman is a horse that stands on his back legs and goes door to door selling rubber nipples. Uh, there's powdered toast man. Who's like, a I love some dog. powdered toast man. And there's log, uh, you know, I mean, we could sing the, the log song. We could um, sing the log song. Downstairs. Let's sing it what off. Rolls downstairs. So well, let me see if I can remember the words. What rolls downstairs and comes in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. Yes. What's great for a snack and fits on your back. It's log, log, log. I mean, a log, normal log, log is big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, log, it's better than bad. Okay, if nothing else, small business owners, watch the show to remember the power of a jingle. Right? And, <laughs> and like just the creativity. I mean, these guys had to have been smoking copious amounts of weed, the writers. Mm -hmm. um, it was so creative. It was so original. It was so crass that I think my pure unbridled enjoyment of this show and sharing that with my kids was the beginning of two things. One is just the rebellion of realized realizing I was just spending way too much energy trying to be somebody I wasn't. And I mean, what's not to love about a character that falls in love with his own fart cloud. Mm -hmm. But um, ultimately I left the church. I left my marriage. I could not continue to pledge allegiance to an ideology that hates gay people. And um, 
pr- pretends to be loving and generous and accepting, but basically if you're not a member of the club, you can go to hell. Yeah. Literally. Um, I just, especially after I got my MSW and I really started meeting all these people who I had been told were going to hell. And I thought, gee whiz, I like these guys better. Um, I kind of eventually started letting myself out of the box a little bit at a time. And now I'd say I'm fully out. I'm open about my ADHD. I, most of my close friends are gay. I swear I have tattoos now and it's so refreshing when somebody says, oh, wow, you're, you used to be a shrink. You don't really seem like you're that well-educated because you swear so much. And I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm really feeling the love. No, it's that it's that I, I, when I stopped trying to be who I thought I was supposed to be was the beginning of discovering who I actually am. That's freaking stunningly gorgeous. And we're still talking about Ren and Stimpy. We are because why would an upstanding church member be like so addicted to this crass, obscene, ridiculous? I mean, I don't think I don't think a neurotypical person could watch Ren and Stimpy and even understand why it was so fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. No, no way. Absolutely not. It's also the perfect encapsulation of that very strange part of the 90s that was like everything was a cartoon, but everything was Six Sad World from Daria. Like it was Mm -hmm. all just a little bit off. Mm. So what's the moral here, Diane? If if I'm a small business owner and I'm going to go watch a bunch of Ren and Stimpy and I'm going to do my best to stop passing for normal and be myself and, and, you know, the buzzwords of authenticity and transparency get thrown around all the time. What is the lesson, the moral of Ren and Stimpy for small businesses? I would say it comes down to branding, messaging, and marketing. I think that if we listen to the gurus, the bullshit marketers, They'll tell us, this is how you sell online. This is how you position yourself. This is the five-step, six-step, seven-step system. This is how you get more Instagram followers. This is how you get more leads. You have to do a webinar and have an online course, or you're never going to hit you know, seven figures, six figures in six months. Like All of that nonsense, the reality is to truly be successful in the online world as a small business what you need to do instead of buying one more course or enrolling in one more mastermind is leaning all the way in to your uniqueness, your individuality, your quirkiness, your oddness, your weirdness, like all of the stuff that if you're anything like me, you busted your ass trying to hide from and cover up and felt tremendous shame. If anyone should find out now, It's like, that's your greatest power. Like trying to fit in, it's like, just why don't you just be a trash compactor? Stand out, be proud, and let your people find you. If you follow the gurus, you are going to be indistinguishable from every other person following those gurus, which means you won't be successful because you can't tell one from the other. 
That's really what I learned. Like, why do I think this is so funny? Why is it appealing to me in a way that a church sermon wasn't? Because it was original, it was unique, it was different, and it stood way apart from everything else. And it took me years to realize why that was so transformative. I wish we could talk about this all day. But I don't want people to procrastinate with my podcast. Like you don't want people to procrastinate no, ma'am. with the Reverend Woman podcast. So one final question for you today. As I mentioned before, you and I became super best friends in DMs on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Whom do you think would have the better following on Instagram? Ren or Stimpy? And- oh, so good. I think Stimpy would. Why? Because most people are obligers. Meaning, um, if I, I'm a big fan of Gretchen Rubin's book, The Four Tendencies, it, it really, I break this formula down to help my clients understand better why they can get themselves to do some things that they're avoiding, but not others. And then we can leverage that so they get more done. But I think most people are obligers. And what that means is that most of us will do what other people expect of us, but we let ourselves down all the time. And that is Stimpy. Like Stimpy is, Stimpy is, he's not just an obliger. He's a card carrying codependent. And I think that would, that makes him more lovable. And I think that makes him more relatable. And I think that makes him more adorable and more people would absolutely follow him. I, on the other hand, identify more with Ren. He's kind of a, pain in the ass. He's kind of a little narcissistic. He's sometimes mean to Stimpy. Um, and he's kind of unapologetic about being himself, but he is no people pleaser. So I will follow him even if no one else does. You know, what's absolutely hysterical about that is it took a whole episode to figure it out, but yes, you are a Wren. <laughs> definitely, definitely a Stimpy. I am a hundred percent pure Stimpy, everyone. You heard it here first. Diane Wingert, host of the Driven Woodman podcast, unbelievable coach, no longer a shrink, no longer an evangelical, but always completely incredible. Thank you. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you, to have a conversation with you and to get you into their worlds? You can follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, but I strongly recommend you visit my website at dianewingertcoaching.com. And that's Diane with the funny spelling, two N's, no E's. Uh, If you go there, you could get any one of my lovely freebies or take my quiz, and that will put you in my ecosystem, meaning you will hear from me every week, every time I uh, launch a new podcast episode, every time I create a new blog post. Every time I have a new offer, I will stay in your email box until you kick me out. I absolutely love that. Well, I can say it was my happiness and my joy to have you on the show today talking about Ren and Stimpy. Everybody, I'll be right back in just a second with my final thoughts and this week's actionable homework. Well, hey there, listeners. When I first sat down to gather my thoughts, I assumed this little segment would be about either passing for normal and or letting your freak flag fly. But instead, I just fixated on log. I'm sure my attorney will not appreciate my joke about intellectual property being moot if you sing off key. 
But the very fact I was able to sing log at all and that Diane knows all the verses still is a testament to its staying power. This earworm of 1990s grunge meets Care Bear nostalgia is no accident. It was a deliberate choice to repeat log segments with only the slightest variation every few episodes. I can only assume the creative team wanted us to greet Log like an old friend and lean in to see what the heck the gimmick would be this time, a wig perhaps, or a bridal set, and then for us to just go about our merry lives and mundane activities humming Log, Log, Log on a loop. What I learned from this is that for your freak flag to fly proudly and effectively, you must also fly it consistently. Your brilliance bears repeating and most likely demands it in order to lodge in minds and inspire something there. Your homework today is to brush off one of your greatest hits, a piece of content, a soapbox rant that roused your spirits and rallied people to you. Dust it off, breathe some new life into it, and send it back out into the world. Ignore the need to reinvent it as something shiny or new. It's classic you. It's tested. And much like Log, it's better than bad. It's good. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.